0: Welcome to the Coastal Addiction Lifestyle Podcast, where we talk about all things coastal. We bring you long-format conversations from people who live that coastal addiction life. I'm your host, Tommy, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today on the Coastal Addiction Podcast, we have Dr. Ted Langriff, a physical therapist who's a native Floridian surfer, diver, fisherman, boat owner. He's just a waterman extraordinaire. You'd be surprised how much you have in common with Ted. So, without further ado, Ted, welcome to the Coastal Addiction Podcast.
1: Tommy, thank you for having me, sir. Um, Glad to be here and glad to be a part of the
0: Coastal Addiction uh, front-running team. You know, yeah, we definitely appreciate you. So, let me let me ask you this real quick. This is a pretty cool question. Um, You came here to do your internship. And then you ended up staying here in the Brevard County area and it was all because of surf.
1: Yeah. I'm from St. Augustine and um, I, I love the, the coast and St. Augustine is a, is a great town. Um, I lived in the, in South Florida and the keys and lived all over the world. Growing up with my dad, who was a project manager for a uh, construction company. Uh, but we spent all our time in Florida, and uh, for the most part, and I, I, I chose this area on my internship because of Satellite, Coco, Sebastian. Uh, moved down here on my first uh, assignment out of PT school, and I haven't left. And, and now I have the house of my dreams right, right on A1A, across the street from the beach.
0: That's so cool. Man. Yeah. You just look out your window and you're like, what's the surf report? Hold on let me Let me check it. Oh, it's going off. Hey. Yeah. Lego. We got lucky. Uh, my buddy Dave
1: Setgas, a great realtor in town, hooked us up with a property across the street from the beach uh, about four year, four, five years ago with uh, a vacant lot across the street, actually. So our, uh, my wife can be
0: cooking up food and can see the ocean, and we love it. That is awesome. So you said wife and then, uh, I know you guys have a younger daughter and then there's also an older daughter in there. Uh,
1: so, uh, stepdaughter 16, she loves to skate. She, she's, a she's, she's, uh, into, uh, kite boarding, skating. Uh, she has her dive license and then I have a little seven year old and she's just getting into everything, you know, she'll she'll she'll, she's a future water girl but right now she's just barbies and you know
0: (laughs) oh yeah yeah i know that feeling for sure so your your stepdaughter uh we just we just picked her up as an ambassador for the 2021 season for coastal addiction so that's super cool we definitely have to get out and uh get some team landgraft dive going on get her down to uh west palm and dive on the reef or something that'd be pretty cool
1: yeah maybe i can redeem myself from my crazy uh Lionfish experience.
0: <laughs> oh, man, that was crazy. For, you, for those of y'all that are listening that don't know this, lionfish are Her. very beautiful, but they're <laughs> evasive. Um, and they've ended Invasive. Up, yeah. So they ended up here on the, uh, on the reefs in Florida. And so there's no season for them. You can go down there and pretty much spearfish them all day long and take them out. And Ted and I decided we were going to go do a dive. And uh, Ted, uh, Ted found one and uh (laughs) that didn't turn out so well for you right
1: so first time like i dove like for a long time this is my first dive in like 10 years though and uh so i go down there first time ever lion fishing and i go down there and see my first one and and uh, nail him right off the bat and then i go to put him in the the holder the uh the little canister that was homemade right yeah, you, yeah, that was a homemade canister homemade, completely. and i go to put him in there and he wouldn't get off the the spear and so like somehow i'm like pulling him putting him pushing him in I pull him out no big deal and he tags me like the little fin or whatever tagged my thumb and i go ow you know that hurts whatever and so we finally get him in there and we keep on with our dive and i'm looking at it and you know it's like this green crap coming out, you know, obviously it's blood because, you know, and I'm like not thinking much of it. It hurt, but it wasn't a big deal. Later when we get on the boat, it's like the worst pain I've ever had. Like my whole arm was achy and it lasted a few hours and it was pretty bad. Yeah. You were
0: grimacing pretty hard when we got back. I got got real quiet real quick. Yeah, man. It was like within five minutes of being on deck and getting everything off you, you were like, yeah, just man, this is just a miserable experience.
1: Yeah, it was crazy. The whole arm was like, and then that was swollen for like three days. Wow,
0: three yeah. days, wow, yeah.
1: I, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, the whole hand, the thumb was big. The thumb was like twice the size. I
0: remember seeing that. The day. hand was,
1: the whole hand was a little swollen for several days. The thumb was swollen for three days, like big. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, that was our, my last dive. So hopefully if we do another dive. Got to, <sighs> got to redeem
0: ourselves. We'll take some zookeepers. I down mean, this time. I'm
1: more fa- afraid of like lionfish than I am like a shark. I saw a bull shark <laughs> on the second dive. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Just don't get me around
0: another lionfish. Jeez, OPs, oh <laughs> those things hurt. They're horrible. The big giant bull shark, you're like, hey, what's up, buddy? A little bit of lionfish. You're like, nah, man, I'm going the other way. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. So we have to get some zookeepers and maybe go down with them ne- those next time. Yeah. That would work. be much better. The homemade route definitely didn't work for us. Um, The homemade last minute route didn't work for us. Let's just say that what didn't work for you. (laughs) No, it didn't work for me. Homemade's usually the way to go. Yeah. Well, I
1: went fishing one night, my buddy homemade, uh, he made some lights for, uh, for, uh, floundering, flounder gigging. So we're off of Sebastian one night and we, you know, he's like all jacked up. Hey, I made these PVC lights and they worked out great. We had them on floats. We're like looking, uh, you know, when we're shining up the whole bottom, looking for everything, and oh, man, I, 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 we killed it. We killed sheep's head and uh, everything but
0: <laughs> flounder. <laughs> not one flounder. So were you guys down in, in, in the uh, inlet in the wade pool? No,
1: like? we were uh, on the west side of the Indian River, uh, across from the S- Sebastian Inlet. Okay. Like over on that side, which is not the best side. Sometimes there's some flounder over there. I guess over by the inlet is definitely the best spot, but that's a little deeper. You kind of have to, I don't know where you can walk around and just, well, I think you have to come out a little bit and walk around there. But we were just riding down US-1, dropped in, you know, messing around first time. And the lights were great, but that's fun. You know, I, I, I love it all, man.
0: Like diving, fishing, surfing. That's why we're here. So let's, let's get into your, your physical therapy a little bit. Let's, let's start there. So your doctor of physical therapy, you chose this area, did your internship, you ended up staying here, you fell in love with the place. You get your surf report straight across the street just from looking out your window, which is pretty awesome. And then you treat a lot of people for injuries.
1: Yeah, um, so I worked, I've i worked in this uh, area. I, I've been a PT for about 13 years. And, uh, you know, it's, it's mostly the same old, same old thing and a lot of older people and post-operative people and things like that. But because I've treated so many, I've had the opportunity to treat a lot of surfers. Um, well, I've, <laughs> take that back. I've treated a ton, there, there's a ton of everybody. Yeah. There's a ton of fishermen. Normally they're not fishing accidents and the surfers I've treated are normally not surfing accidents. You know, they just, they're just surfers who Mm -hmm. happen to have an injury. So they're normally, I can't off the top of my head think of too many injuries that were directly, that I rehab directly related to surfing or fishing or diving or anything like that. Like normally it was just, they were, you know, I've worked with some, um, um, that's what they do, you know, they fish or they surf. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we rehab them and it's just a, rehab is real, real simple. It's just about getting,
0: you know, Says the, the doctor of physical therapy. It, really it, simple. It,
1: it's real simple. It's it's basically getting movement, restoring normal movement. And there's um, kind of like a hierarchy. I, I kind of dub it a hierarchy of movement from like basic, like moving the joint up and down or whatever to like casting a rod or paddling. You just have to connect the dots. And what we do is we help connect the dots between the very basic you know, like lift your arm overhead or whatever to paddling into a 10 foot wave or whatever. Um, so how do you, you know, and everything in between. And so that in between is where it gets a little tricky because people, you know, once they can move their arm, they're like, okay, I'm good to go. Well, that's not really the case, you know, that's when people get re-injured and things like that. So um, I help advise on that. And it's a lot of education, it's a lot of hands-on, and then it's a lot of, you know, just going through the daily grind of push, you know, motivating people to push themselves and, and that they can do it. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and they'll get there if they, they put in the effort, you know, it is a lot of effort. It's rehab. It's look up the definition. You
0: know, that's what it is. It's slow, tedious. It's not easy. So I can imagine being an angler, or a paddleboarder, or maybe even a surfer, or even a diver, or somebody, something like that, and you end up with like a rotator cuff tear, or you get, you know, I call it tennis elbow, but I'm sure there's some, some word for it for guys that paddle all the time. Um, what would be some good techniques for maybe trying to strengthen those stability muscles in its shoulder for helping people uh, with those types of tears that are coming out so like let's
1: just i mean this is such a big broad question and um you know anything you do that's repetitive like say paddling uh and you're in one position for a long time uh, a buddy of mine kind of put it bluntly and 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 he's not a pt and it it dawned on me and he's just he's just kind of an aware physical fit dude and he's like you got to do the opposite and that's really true. You have to, and I can get into the science behind it, like you have to work the antagonistic muscles or you have to strengthen the opposing muscles because you're overworking the, the group that you're, that you're repetitively using or you have to stretch what's tight because, you know. So, like, if you're paddling all the time or let's say you're looking up all the time when you paddle, this mm-hmm. is just a for, ex- for instance, then you, you probably want to stretch those muscles the opposite way. And you want to like maybe say, for example, if you're extending your neck and looking up, then you want to do something to where your chin comes down and you're looking down to stretch your neck. A lot of times it's intuitive, and we just do it naturally. Uh, when it gets to be a problem, we look for professionals to help us, or when it gets severe enough, we you know we have a problem, and then we we, we need assistance um, with the shoulders same thing I mean if you're pushing one way all the time, let's say you're your, the paddle motion where you sweep up and you come down and push through. Well, why not push the other way as an exercise, grab a weight and go from down below, like say three or four pound weight and raise it up and do the opposite motion and work those opposing muscles. That's just a preventative thing. Um, it's hard. Most people don't want to, aren't going to go to that specific of, of a uh, training. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a very, uh, indirect approach for a lot of people. Uh, there, there's other approaches. There's uh, you know, do yoga, you know, where you're Yoga's stabilizing your, you're, you're on your, you know, your leg and your hand and you're, you know, you got one arm up in the air and you got your other leg up in the air and you're stabilizing. And what's that doing is it's stabilizing the scapula and the shoulder. Uh, you're holding a position for like 30 seconds or a minute or whatever you know, you're doing your breathing, which is huge. And, uh, um, that that's not, that's a motion or that's something you're not doing when you're surfing or working or anything like that. So it's about introducing novel motions that you don't normally do. Uh, it's very complex and you just have to, uh, kind of work it in. You have to work and move and stabilize those joints accordingly. Avoid pain. You know, you hear, oh, no pain, no gain. Oh, I hear that all the time. And it's, that's not necessarily the case It at depends all. on the situation. Right? It does. Like post opera rotator cuff, you know, you just had surgery. Yeah, we got we to gotta, we gotta make, you know, maybe a little tear come to your eye or you know, like that. <laughs> but, but really, it's, it's about um, pushing yourself just beyond your comfort zone and, and getting out of your comfort zone. And that's, that's a key to a lot of things. Like getting out of your comfort zone pushes you. And so I think that's, that's, how I try to promote that in rehab, uh, but I try to do that a little bit in life, get out of your comfort zone. And that's how you move forward. If you're in your comfort zone, you're, you're probably not going forward.
0: Yeah, man. I, given your experience, I would say that you spend a lot of time outside of your comfort zone. So you're probably comfortable being somewhat uncomfortable, if that makes sense. I mean, diving, surfing, kiteboarding, like all of that stuff is You know, the average person doesn't go do that. If you're in Nebraska, you may go bass fish somewhere, but you're not diving. Things like dive, free diving, even your free diving experience. I mean, hold your breath and go down 20, just go down 20 feet. And you realize it only took you 15 seconds, but a lot of people will panic in that. Yeah, that's crazy. You got some free diving background. So what all did you get involved in with free diving? Well, um,
1: uh, so living in the Keys, I got turned on to it. I started out diving, and then I got into free diving. Um, but uh, piggybacking on what you just said about the uh, the ex- the exper you know the experience of um,
0: being uncomfortable being
1: uncomfortable. Um. You you want you know. It's a. I wouldn't say it's being uncomfortable. That's one thing. But the biggest thing, I think, for me, or some people, are afraid to look bad. And so that's uncomfort, but uh, that's discomfort. But they don't want to mess up, or they're afraid to look bad.
0: They don't know how to do it, so they're like, ah. Yeah,
1: that's a that's a different kind of discomfort. There's there's the physical discomfort of like, oh, I could wipe out and you know you know wipe out and and hurt myself. Mm And there's that, but there's also just the fear of of looking like a a, you know looking looking like yeah, a jamoke and whatever. And so. I've just fortunately, I don't really care that much. I, I know I'm a schmuck, <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm a goofball. I, I, I don't care if I look bad trying. I'm not the stud at sir. I'm not busting airs. I'm not you know a, 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 you know I'm not killing it in any one at, in any one field per se. But I just like it. It's an it's enjoyable. So when we talk about like free diving, I mean, there's guys out there. Um, I've, I've met and worked with and it's like their career. Yeah. They're, they're holding their breath. And then there's, there's people listening to this. They're like, yeah, whatever. You know, I was down 80 feet, you know? And and so I'm, I've, I've dabbled in everything, right? So I, I lived in the Keys and I was an advanced diver and, and that, and I had some friends. We went diving and all that. And I actually got to the point where I had a buddy there named Marco, who his grandparents owned, uh, divers. I can't remember divers plus, or, um, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Dolphins plus. And, um, right there in Key Largo. And he was, a, uh, uh, well, we were all in our early twenties at the time. And he was a couple years younger. I mean, he was just brown and tatted up, you know, cool tats all over him. And he was one, a friend of a friend and, and, uh, and we went lobster. And, and that was the first time I really hung out with him. And he's like, dude, you know it's cheating if you're using scuba gear and i had been using scuba gear i love diving and he just took the wind out of my sails he's like he's like yeah and he, he'd like go down and hold his breath for like psh, like whatever a minute or two it's like an ego thing man he
0: just yeah. punched and, your and, ego and he had
1: yeah he's like yeah you you don't you know it's just it's just it's unfair advantage if you're using air so he'd go down there and grab these lobsters and I was like, ah, ah, you know, I was going down like 12 feet and just like, ah, ah, you know, like, wow. Ah. And so that inspired me. He inspired me. And uh, I got into uh, free diving after that. And we would be dragged behind my buddy's boat. And we'd look, you know, along the reef, like at um, Molasses Reef and all the different reefs out there off of Key Largo. And we'd just be dragged until we saw something. And then we'd go down and we'd shoot something. You so know? they're kind of like idling along
0: and yeah. you're like on a ski rope or oh, something. Oh, that's the
1: best. That's like probably one of my favorite things to do. And you're under the water about five feet being dragged behind a boat and idle. And you got your, your flipper, your fins on and your mask. And that's it. And you've got a spear in one hand. And then when you let go, they know when you let go. Because they can kind of feel it. And you just drop down. And you, it's quiet. There's no bubbles. There's no nothing. And you see something and you're all excited. And you tag it. And you come up with it, and it's like yeah. After like five or ten minutes or twenty minutes of riding around, that's just an awesome feeling. So I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that that are listening to this. And that's the way we did it, and and it's so easy. Um, but how deep was that? That was like 20, 30 feet. The deepest I've ever you say gone. Say
0: that's so nonchalant. I mean, that, like well, it's 20 or 30 I'm feet. saying
1: I'd go down there, come up, or I'd spot a fish, come up, take a few breaths, go down. And then, you know, and it's hard. It's very hard because you get like your adrenaline going and and if you're not good at like managing that, which I wasn't, you know, you see it and and you got to shoot real quick. And then the worst thing is you've got to size him up, you know, the the, the size limits like what, 18 inches at the time or whatever for a, uh, a grouper. And you know, he's like 17 and a half, you know, how do you, what do you do? You know, you, you don't, everything looks huge underwater. So anyway, those are some, <laughs> those are some funny stories from the keys days. And, uh, I, I really, I haven't free dove in a bit, but that's, that is just so much fun.
0: So you guys are getting drugged behind a boat. Like, are you wearing like a little weight belt or something? Like, how yeah. does it work out?
1: I usually, uh, I'd wear a weight belt, uh, back in the day. Uh, I'd wear, you know, five or 10 pounds, I think. Mm -hmm. um uh, later on i i used to just wear board shorts and throw some weights in my pocket Um, the deepest i ever went was 50 foot and it was on a surf trip and it was clear calm and i wasn't trying to go to the bottom and i had weights in my pocket and i wasn't trying and i just i was just completely relaxed there was no mission to kill anything or anything and I was just dropping down and everyone, there was a nice reef and this was in Indo on a surf trip. And I dropped down and it was just pretty, it was gorgeous. And I was just checking stuff out. I got, next thing you know, I'm near the bottom. I'm like, huh, I didn't know how deep it was. And I was like, oh, checking it out. I, I wasn't even panicked, came up and later on, I checked the uh, the depth gauge after like much later because we were um, anchored there, and it turned out to be 50 feet. I was like, "What?" Because in the past I'd gone like 30 feet. So you said Indo, Indonesia?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Man.
1: So I did a surf trip there in 2011 off the uh, in the Matawes, and that was that that had to be that was a dream trip, yeah. So did you take a board with you? Did you get one there? Like, I I took a couple boards. Yeah. I can imagine we we'd transported boards, and that whole that whole trip was you know you know you had to bring everything because it's a it's a boat trip for eleven days on an eighty-five footer.
0: Man, that's cool. Now, that is so eleven cool. or
1: twelve days. There was a, 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 I think eleven guys. It was three of us that went, but there was eleven total on the boat, mm-hmm. and uh, about six or eight staff. On the boat, and man, we and and we fished then. Every time we went from a different spot, we would troll, they would troll the uh, you know, line, and we caught, I mean, we caught like wahoo and everything, um, tuna, and they would just the the chef, because there's a chef on the boat, Uh you know, and he cooks up your food. And when I think we caught a uh, a a tuna at one point, and he just cut it up and he, you know, filleted it like. Thin fillets, super thin little 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 strips. Melted in your mouth. Oh, it was like sashimi style, and we were just like, wow. And at one point, uh, every time we caught a good sized fish, they're they're custom because they're like, I mean, they're like one step away from from like tribal. You know, they're they're pretty, uh, they're, they're 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 cultured or civilized, but they're not far removed from from the older customs. Uh-huh. So every time we caught a bigger fish, they would cut the heart out and give it to whoever caught the fish. And that was pretty cool. Oh, you know, man. And, and us, you know, Americans or Australians were like, what?
0: What, you know, what are you we'd, going we'd to do you do it, with that?
1: Yeah, we'd, we'd do it. We'd eat the heart. And, no way. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just like, you know, you killed this animal. It's, it's, it's paying respects to the animal. So you, you ate the heart. And I think that's really cool. So did you eat a heart? I did. So how was it? it was uh not too bad i didn't really taste it no you just
0: try to hurry up, like chewed it down and chew and go put yeah, it straight through the gullet yeah, yeah oh that's crazy it was a cuda oh man so you did an surf trip where else have you been
1: uh all throughout the caribbean barbados uh dominican republic puerto rico i've been to jamaica but i didn't surf there ecuador hawaii uh, panama nicaragua costa rica
0: all right, so in the caribbean where's your favorite your favorite place to go
1: um I'd, i i would say probably you know my favorite place is probably Barbados Barbados because that's where um that's that's just a cool island it's a cool vibe there and uh, I have special memories there and some buds there so uh I've, there's a there's a um, dude there right now uh his name's Hoggy, and he was a Uh, national, um, uh, he was the number one surfer there back, I think in the early or mid Mm nineties. Um, so he is going blind and Kelly Slater has apparently is, 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 knows him. Mm -hmm. And I just heard this from my other buddy, Brian, who's good friends with hoggy and is setting up a, uh, uh, deal where he's going to like help get him a surgery to, to get his eyesight back. Like so a GoFundMe really cool. for him? Uh, I think he's just going to fund it himself. No way. That's what I heard. So I'm not sure. This is, I'm not positive on this, but That's yeah. super cool. We got some buds over there and it's just pretty. And last time I went there, which was a year and a half ago, uh, I just scored. Uh, I don't always score on surf trips. I've been skunked on surf trips because I, I can't just go, oh, there's a way to go. You know, I've got family, kids, you know, yeah, kids, yeah. work and all that. But So I can't just, oh, there's a way, but way so I plan it like months in advance, typically, usually. And this one was planned in advance and it, we just scored and I got soup bowls. Great. And it was awesome. That is so, crazy. So that was, so yeah. that was Barbados, huh? Yeah, it's pretty there, but there's a lot of good surf spots in the Caribbean and Central America. I go, you know, I mean, I, I had never surfed Europe.
0: I'd like to, but it's, that's a mission. So you said uh, you've also been in a couple of places down in South America. Uh, Out of those, what would end up being one of your favorite spots?
1: Oh, uh, well, Ecuador was fun. I went there for like 10 days. Um, Beautiful countryside. Tons of great spots in Ecuador. Peeling lefts. Uh, I'm a righty, but anyway, (laughs) lots of lefts. Um, But probably Bocas del Toro. I went there on the east coast of Panama. Uh, that was my only, or one of my few solo trips. And I went there and um, really scored there too. So that was just clear blue waters, a variety of waves in this one little, uh, what do you call it? Island chain. Um, so there was just all kinds of different waves in this one little area. And you can go, you go everywhere by boat and uh, it was just pretty and uh, relatively affordable and just tons of waves and some of them had big crowds some of them were we were the only ones on it wow So yeah so did, were those like liveaboard trips or like how did those work out um all those are just regular trips like the only liveaboard was the the one that i went to was the mentawe um in indonesia but uh, Boca del toro i mean there's you can stay in a nice hotel you can stay in a little hostel i stayed in just a regular motel mm-hmm. type thing right there and i had a guide who uh so basically what that meant what that entailed was two dudes who were running the bar at that motel <laughs> and had access to a boat and who's happened to surf oh and so they ran the little they ran that area or, you know they were and so whenever they were like all right you, you want what time do you want to go tomorrow and I'd be like well I want to do two trips and let's do an early morning and an afternoon okay and they would they would kind of know where to go and we'd go and just just uh, and just just we would bypass all the walking you had to do and cuz most people would drive uh-huh. but I you know I paid a little extra to get the boat you know and I just r- cruise up there because they have taxis, they have boat taxis there, like five bucks in Boca del Toro. You can go wherever you want from break to break, and, and the taxis kind of circulate through the, each of the, all the lineups. Uh-huh. But if you want to go somewhere a little further, it's nice to have these guys there because they just anchor up, they go surf with you. You're you're just surfing for a couple hours, and you come back to the boat. You've got your food on the boat. Oh, it's just awesome.
0: So super simple trips. Yeah. Yeah. those have got to be some of the best ones when you don't have to think about anything.
1: Yeah. And you can do your all inc- I've done the all inclusives where you have your food and your boat trips all lined up. And those, and those are usually pretty cheap, like in Nicaragua and stuff. And then I've done uh, where we're just going on my own and, and finding my own place and stuff. And, and those are cheap and fun too.
0: So you didn't find them on the internet or like, how did you find them? Like you just show up and be uh, like, uh. It,
1: all the above, uh, <laughs> I went to Puerto Rico. We just showed up and we just found places. And, and, and right now, and that was like 10, 10 11 years ago. And, uh, and we, just, that was one of the funnest trips cause I was end up, I was, I was having fun at night, doing the nightlife thing, and uh, we we would we would just see the sights and during the day. If there was surf, we'd go surf, and it was just a buddy of mine who didn't even surf, and we just we the whole trip was unplanned, and we just found places in Rincon and Aguadilla, and we just found places and stayed there, and they were I don't know, we just got lucky, and it was just amazing, and the waves were good, and. I was waking up. I, I would stay up late and then wake up as soon as the sun came up and I was in the water.
0: So, yeah. Nothing like a little backpack trip. Oh, man. That's got to be cool. But
1: the plan trips. And, and so now it's like family trips. And so now I try to incorporate the family and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And that's why I say Barbados is a nice place because it's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's, it's, there's stuff for the family to see and do. But there's great waves, too, on the south coast and on the east coast. Um, you know, there's some places where you would feel comfortable going, you know, as, as a guy, as a single guy or whatever, or as a single person. Wouldn't but, necessarily drag your but, family to. But yeah, but if you have kids or you have a significant other or something like that, you, you're, you're going to be a little hesitant, especially if they don't surf, Cause what are they going to do? You know, some places are more, are, are more remote. So like there, there's some places like in say Nicaragua, you know, th- this great surf, and it's just like, you're surfing all day, but if you're a non-surfer,
0: it's gonna be boring, you know, I would think. So you said you took a buddy with you that was a non-surfer? To did Puerto sur- Rico. Did he surf? He did not. What? No, he, uh, he uh, this buddy of mine, uh,
1: Charles Reed, lives on the West Coast, he's a firefighter over there. Uh, we went on two surf trips. He was, in, he, had, he was recently divorced, and I was just out of PT school, so I was single at the time. And, uh, I was like, I'm gonna go on a trip. And he's like, well, yeah. And we just, for whatever reason, (laughs) yeah, he, he was over there uh, mingling with people. By the time I got out of the water, there was, he was talking to about 10 different people. He knew all the wait staff and, and half the tables at the bar that was, (laughs) you know, at the tiki bar there. And I'd come in and yeah, it, it, you know, and he'd just have the social thing going on and I'd be doing the water sports and stuff like
0: that and and uh, so it was a nice mix. You say you surfed over in Hawaii. How was that? Like that's like the Mecca for a lot of people in the states.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. Um so that that was a kind of a surf trip, kind of a uh uh to a, to see a buddy of mine. Um so I went to Kauai and everyone always asks, "Oh, have you ever, sur-? you know, people that don't surf?" uh, and if I say, yeah, I like to surf or whatever. They're like, Oh, have you ever been to Hawaii? And I'm like, uh, no, you know, I don't, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not just, you don't just roll up and surf like the North shore or something like that. So, uh, and I'd always been my, I always wanted to do it. It was on, on the uh, list of something, even just to observe like the North shore pipeline or something like that. But, uh, so I have a friend that moved out there and uh, it's kind of a long story. It's kind of a sad story. Um, he's from South Africa. I, I became friends with him through another buddy from South Africa who I met on the Indo trip. Uh-huh. Uh, he was the guide over there. I became friends with him and then he introduced me to this other guy. They were living in Fort Lauderdale in the time and uh, he, and, and we surfed that he came up here uh, to uh, Melbourne several times to surf Sebastian. And I liked all those guys, uh, both those guys. Uh, the one guy, Mark moved to Kauai and took his, t- took his wife and his one year old out there. And, uh, he's uh, living off the grid and just living a holistic lifestyle and, you know, surfing and just, just kind of living off the grid, he, he chose that lifestyle. Well, his wife got cancer and passed mm. away. Oh, so man. left him with two girls. And, and we stayed close over the years. You know, I talked to him every once in a while. And just a, just a cool dude. And so my wife is like, why don't you, you know, you need to go see him. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just buy a plane ticket to Hawaii. You know, like That's, I've got a thousand dollars laying around. It
0: takes like a day just to get there. Yeah. Completely. So it's like, yeah.
1: And I always talk about, and so uh, I was in between jobs this past February and coronavirus coming out and the ticket prices were way low. And he, and and I was like, he was like, and all of a sudden he randomly calls me and he's like, you need to come out here. And I'm like. Uh, let me look into it, whatever. And I looked into it. Prices were pretty cheap. So I went out there because the prices were in fact pretty Pretty low. Yeah. So I go out there and, and I just, you know, and I'm he's in a better place. Like it was hard for him to, to uh, deal with his, his wife fighting cancer for like two years, Mm. two, 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 three years but the past two years were rough. I mean, he was just doing, every, holding the fort down 100%, treating her, you know, um, and, the, and the kiddos, and being a mom, dad, you know, working under, in, working, uh, under the, uh, you know, on the side or under the table and all that. And uh, so, but he was actually in a good spot. And, and I was out there just kind of like for him to support him and all that, good dude. Mark Godfrey, he's in Kauai. And, uh, so on the last day I was there, I got to surf, uh, Hanalei Bay on the, on the North coast and it was going off. And there was actually a little surf contest to the left on the, with a bunch of grommets just killing it. Mm-hmm. And then there was a peak right here in the front. And then as I'm leaving, like Sebastian Zietz shows up, shows up with his wife and he's like waving there, Like, he's like, Hey man, cause we're in the parking lot. He's a, he's a like top 10, top 15 pro surfer in the world. And, uh, I'm like, what? And it was cool. It was just a beautiful day. It was just going off and I got to surf on a really good day. The rest of the, when I first got there, it was freezing cold. I'm like, what the heck? In Hawaii? Yeah. This was in February. Yeah. Oh, you needed a hoodie. The girl. Yeah.
0: Nobody thinks about that. Like I know the Pacific's cold. Like the water's naturally cold but like I, I didn't know yeah,
1: he goes, this is the coldest I've seen it in like five years or something like, that. In like five. years. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was really cold and I'm like, Oh my luck. But uh, it turned out to be really nice
0: towards the end of the week. And so, so I did a trip to Hawaii. We went to the big Island, um, with the wife and we had a newborn at the time. And I thought was, like the people were great there in the Kona area. They were super nice. Really I just I, everybody was awesome. And uh, we went to a, like a sports authority or something was there. And they had like snow tubes and like sleds. And I'm looking around and I'm like, what, what are snow tubes and sleds doing in Hawaii, right? So, well, apparently the observatory is like way up there because, you know, the, the mountain's super tall there and, uh, on the big island. And whenever like storms come in, the whole top of the mountain gets covered with snow, but apparently they are like huge storms. And then all of a sudden it'd be clear, like all the locals, they, the storm clears out, like the clouds clear out and they look up and they're like, holy, oh, oh, and that's it. Like everybody disappears from town. They all drive up to the observatory up there and they're all up there like snow skiing. I, I'm probably not skiing, but it's like sledding on whatever storm came in. Cause it's like probably 10,000 feet up or something. Wow. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Because this local was, like telling me about it. And I'm like, I, why do you have sleds here? Like, I don't, it's why Did somebody somebody order the wrong thing? And they're like, no, bro. Like, you got to go up there. And so there's like, snow-capped really? mountains in Hawaii? When storms come through. No, yeah. No. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's crazy. It was, it was on the big island. I don't know about any other ones. But they told me all about it. I was like, man, it's crazy. But it was a beautiful place um, while we were there. We got to go check out this place called Hula Daddy Coffee and learn about coffee. Uh, it was super cool. Like this dude's coffee is expensive. I, it's expensive AF. I'm not kidding you. Um, it's like, I think it's what's cheap. the
1: name of it? Hula Daddy. Coffee. Hula Daddy. Okay. Yeah.
0: It's like sixty bucks for like a one pound bag or a half pound bag. But it's all organic. Super Clean. organic. Yeah. So the the guy. Um, he was an attorney from, I'm saying this all wrong, if I remember the story correctly. He was an attorney from the States, like maybe somewhere on the West Coast. Moves to Cali, and while he's there, he decides he's going to buy some property and um, grow coffee bean up on the mountain at like so, like the 1,500-foot mark above sea level, and um, which is, apparently is like where all the coffee is grown in Hawaii and on the big islands, at 1,500 to like 2,500 mark, hmm. something like that. 25 foot, foot above sea right. level. And uh, so he's like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. So he took the way that wine growers grow coffee, which is, or grow wine, is they only allow like three stalks off the stem or something along those lines. So they would trim everything so that there was only three main stems or stalks, I'm probably saying that wrong, off of the trunk. And that's where all the coffee was grown. But instead of paying all the pickers, like by the pound, he pays them by the hour. So they only pick ripe beans, and they only do small batch roasting. So they may be sold out. You might have to wait another month to get whatever type of coffee they made that time or something like that. Hmm. But uh, it was a super cool experience. Everybody was awesome. We got to see whales breaching while we were out there. Um, It was just super cool. But, man, let me tell you, like leaving from Florida to California, layover in California, California to Kona to the airport there, like, it was a day. It was an entire day to get there and um, an entire day to get back. Yeah. It was crazy. And they don't play with agricultural stuff. Uh, my wife had an apple. Like, it got it from, like, the hotel we were at, an apple. And she's like, I'm going to bring this apple on the plane with me because it was super good apple. It was just an apple. We're in the airport, and they're like, no, you can't have that. You can't take that to the States. Meanwhile, <laughs> they're selling, like, pineapples in a box. Like, you could take this pine- box this cardboard box at a pineapple, and you can take it home with you. But not the apple. But you could take, take the apple. I was completely confused. I had no clue what was going on. I'm like, this makes no sense to me whatsoever. Wow. But eh, it's the rules, you know.
1: It's how it is. That is the I, I've heard it's like one of the most remote places in the world. I, right? I can imagine. I think it. I think it might be Hawaii. The Hawaiian Islands are one of the most remote, if you consider the Pacific Ocean and they're in the middle of it, you know. Yeah, there's
0: probably some super, like the Cook Islands and stuff like that. I'm sure they're yeah. super remote. Well, yeah. We have to get into that. Um, crazy how they ended up with like hogs and goats on these islands in the middle of nowhere because pirates would like drop them off and and so that they would, as they come back by this island, you know, they would have and that food.
1: Multiply. Yeah, there'd and, be yeah. food there
0: for them so they could grab it and take it with them. And so that was... That's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is so. wild. You've done some crazy stuff too, though. You've also been out like a uh, sky uh, kiteboarding, right? Or? You said you were about to say skydiving,
1: which yeah. I've done that too. No way! Yeah, I I, I did a little, uh, but yeah, uh, I I jumped out of a plane the day after I graduated from high school with some buds, and that was awesome. I think, uh, I, think I need to do that. Yeah, uh, kite kiteboarded uh, in the early phases of kiteboarding when it was. Unidirectional. uh i was living in the keys and i had a buddy who was uh trying to um start his own business Mm -hmm. with it and he was like yeah let me uh so what he was doing he i think i gave him a 12 pack or something like that and he gave every or six pack of beer and he gave me lessons
0: best payment ever
1: something (laughs) like that i mean it was real he was just like yeah i want to I need to get this going. And so he was kind of experimenting on me as a client cause he was new at it. And so he had this new gear. And so I got to, so he had a couple different things. He had like the, the beginner kite that you practice on land and he was like rolling it out and all that and kind of testing it on me. And like I was, and I knew how to, I, I had, uh, I kind of knew how to do a kite because someone had shown me a trick kite when I was in Texas. For a summer? Okay, long story, whatever. So <laughs> it, with these two handles, uh, I had a ran into this dude that showed me how to do a trick kite. Well, it, it turns out that this little mini kite for kiteboarding that you practice on is very similar. You're doing a figure eight with the kite using two handles, and you're just learning how to do that. Back when kiteboarding first started, you had to do a figure eight with the kite. You had to fly the kite and do a figure eight back and forth to stay in the power zone that's air quotes for y'all you people out there that can't (laughs) see so you're in the power zone or the sweet spot and that's how you control the wind and how it pushed you now uh, the kites are totally different but so i was just when it first started this would have been about 2000 um when kiteboarding was just just starting to take off and he had a like a uh, basically it's like a scurfer Mm -hmm. So like I had to point on one end and it's like flat on the other end and I'm I'm going out there and he's got his uh, his skiff out there and this was uh, down in um, Tavernier Key Uh, or actually it was Coconut Cove off of near Isla Murata and we went out there and there's just a bunch of flats out there so it's like two feet deep or whatever and, uh, I was practicing and it was pretty easy. i got on the real, the, 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 other kite and I don't remember how big it was. And so I'm going one way and then, and I'm, you know, trucking along, going one way. And then when you go to turn, you, you can't just flip and go, you have to kind of, it, it, it's like a whole like lesson on physics on how you turn, you know, it's like, <laughs> ah, so the anyways, long story short, the kite falls into the gra- to the water and he goes down there and has to get the, the water out of the kite. Nowadays, the kites are impermeable, so they don't collect water. But back then, the technology wasn't quite up to speed, so if the kite's sitting in the water for more than like 15 seconds, it's getting waterlogged. And you would, if you didn't have a buddy going down there to shake the water out and get the wind back in it, you would have to roll up your line, all, or walk all the way up to the kite, lift the kite out of the water, shake it out, let the line back out, and then proceed.
0: You know, it's funny. You say, like, back in the day, but it was, like, Like nine years ago. Well, it was, like,
1: 20 years ago. Oh, 20 years ago. Uh, So, 2000. um, Yeah, I guess early 2000
0: was, like, 20 years ago. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: It feels like it was just... The other day,
0: yeah, uh, it was. It was yesterday, didn't you? No. you are getting old. No, man, no. So I kite to...
1: surfed uh, like four or five times with him, and got pretty decent at it. I could, I could ride it, but that was weight. You know, it was, it was fun. I, I didn't like bust airs and all, but I, like, I used to windsurf, so the whole wind thing kind of, and I wakeboarded and stuff like that. So, I, I kind of, you know, just it just—it was, felt, it, was it was relatively easy. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Wow. Well. Yeah, I grew okay. So long story, I, I grew up on the St. John's River, like about an hour from the coast. Okay. So I always wanted to surf, but it was like you know I was it's a kid, an hour drive. so it's an hour drive. So I started. I was like the only dude windsurfing on a brightly colored in the middle of the St. John's River, going <laughs> back and forth with all the airboats <laughs> yeah, going by. Yeah, here. There's like there's like fit, fit people fishing and you know and I yeah you know, I fish too. And I was like out there windsurfing and hauling ass and and. uh just
0: kids out there on yeah. a windsurfer, just windsurfing. Yeah. Some guy's out there in his bass boat. Hey Bubba, you hey, in the wrong you're... spot. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I got, I got
1: a story with alligator. I was on a, on a sandbar right by our house and there was no wind because it's like a, it's like on the point of a, of a peninsula and the wind was coming out of like the, the, I guess the west ish and it's blocked so everything on this side of the peninsula was there was like no breeze at all. As Soon as you get around the point then you get into the wind and you can fly. So I was taking the windsurfer out and, and I like it's like one or like five miles an hour or it's really light wind just enough to get out to that, that, that sandbar and there's a big huge gator out there he's like 50 feet away and he's like looking right at me and I'm caught in a lull there's like no wind And the sandbar on this particular day was like thigh high.
0: Oh. You follow? So
1: if it were like shallower, it would be safer. But it's like thigh high. I can't really see the bottom. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm like stuck in like a dead zone. And I'm like, okay. All right. I'm going to have to like drop the sail and kind of like either walk my board out or, yeah, basically just walk your board out. So the gator's like staring right at me he's like 50 he's like what is this he's probably just thinking what is this weird thing in the water i'm I'm gonna about to have some dinner but he might have been thinking dinner and i of course i'm thinking he's thinking dinner i'm like freaked out and then he goes he drops underwater to where i can't see him oh and then i start freaking out because i'm just standing there on my board like there's no wind i'm like (laughs) oh crap and so i like I like stand there for a minute and I'm standing and I'm thinking he's like right under me and I'm not getting into that water. And then finally I see him pop right back up. I'm like, oh, thank God. So I get in the water. In the same spot. Yeah. In the same spot. So then I, I, I get in the water, push out a like, I push out like 20 feet and then I'm in the, like the wind. And uh, then I, then I proceed about windsurfing. But yeah, that's Florida water sports. You got to be comfortable with the with the gators and the different, and you got to make do, you know? If you're on the yeah. river, you know how you're going to have fun. Yeah, you, you know, get a windsurfer.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. So how many, how many run-ins did you have with, like, Guy's Island bass boats or airboats or anything like that while you were? No airboats, not too many airboats up in
1: northern uh, St. Johns River. Like, really? down oh. here you'll have them, but I was up in uh, St. Johns County. Uh, it's a, the river's real deep and wide there. Oh, it's a okay. big river so uh no not too many airboats, but yeah, you know, I have to ran anybody. everyone's cool up there um i was I, you know I fished up there too, you know i was a, I lived there growing up, so it was like you know that was my stomping ground as well. You've done quite a bit but, of fishing um, yeah I, I I grew up fishing, I got burned out on fishing freshwater fishing, I grew up catching bram and mullet and catfish. <laughs> and all that, and it's crazy. I, got, I got kind of burned out, and then I moved to the Keys and picked up uh, saltwater fishing. And uh, when I was like twenty-one or two,
0: I've been fishing down in the Keys. It was good. And so what the ca- the captains down there would tell me was like, "Hey, where you where you come from?" And I'd be like, "Oh, I'm up by Brevard County." They're like, any any River Lagoon," and like Mosquito like, this this is... Lagoon. And I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "Man, that's the best fishery in the state of Florida." And then I, you know, I didn't really think much about it because I, you know, I kind of grew up here. And um, me and my buddies would just ride our BMX bikes with, like, five gallon buckets and fishing rods, you know, to the river from where we lived out off of out of 524 in Cocoa, And we'd fish there. Or we'd ride to the drawbridge in Port Canaveral on our BMX bikes over 528, you know, just riding out. Here's these kids, you know, just to go fishing or bridge jumping or whatnot. And uh, I'm like, really? There's, like This is the best fishery in the state of Florida? It's like Brevard County. Like, wow, I, I didn't know that. Um, I just took it for granted, you know, like yeah. a lot of people do. They take it for granted that where they grew up it happens to be like a great area or whatnot. Uh, I tell my nieces all the there's time. There's a
1: lot of similarities to Sebastian, for this whole this whole region, from Sebastian to Coco. Yeah, Sebastian's to, crazy. To the Keys fishing. with fishing. A lot of, you know, there's a mutual respect between the two regions. Um, because, you know, South Florida is just, you know, populated and yeah, crazy yeah. And, and that. I mean, Yeah, there's good there's good fishing all throughout Florida, but... Up here, it's kind of maybe I want to say you know, especially Sebastian's less developed.
0: It's oh, got them, a little yeah. bit of a
1: keezy vibe, you know. You yeah. got your tiki bars. You got a lot of good fishing, um, snook, redfish. They're, they're same as, the Same stuff.
0: Snook right now. Yeah, killing like every time. Every time I look, man, I'm just like somebody's just just completely out there slaying them. I'm like man, this is crazy. There's guys that get mad. This is the season. Yeah, right? so there's this dudes, the end of this, towards the end of this there's season. There's dudes that are over there that are mad, like straight up mad. Like, like, say you reached your limit, right, and you you hook another one, and you're looking down, and you're like, hey, man, you hit your limit. And somebody's like, no. I'm like, hey, you want to take my rod and bring it in? Fight it in. If you get it in, it's yours. And so, like, I hand my rod off to you and let you go at it, right? And you bring it in, and it happens to be a limit. You're, you're within the slot. You got a nice one you are a keeper right it's yours now you you got it i gave you my rod you reeled it in you did everything well there's some dudes down there that are all mad about that and they're like no dude like that you caught it so it, it's it's it was on your rod it doesn't count like it's out of it's out of limit
1: <laughs> it's crazy i haven't heard that well it's maybe there's something to that from a legal
0: standpoint yeah i don't know man but if i give you my rod it's your fish i, I mean <laughs> thank you yeah right you reeled it in it, I, I hit my limit, you know. So here, you you reel it in if it's a keep keeper. Yeah, it, you, you know? keep it. Yeah, that's wrong that's with
1: how that. it should be. If you got three people fishing, three each person can have their uh, their limit. Yeah, yeah.
0: When, when think, you
1: hit it, that's it. You yeah. know, go um, home, take care of the. Whoever's environment. getting mad about it, they, they yeah. just got
0: their their there's pants some,
1: on too tight. There's some
0: crazy stuff, you know. For those of you guys that are not familiar with Sebastian, it's a great great fishery here in Brevard County. There's some awesome charter captains that run out of there. There's some great charter beach fishing guys that will take you out there um, and guide you off the pier. The people are really good. I know people that drive from like West Palm and Boca all the way up here just to go fish off of Sebastian Inlet. Um, and they'll stay there for like 24 hours, no joke. Like, Or their camp and they'll hang out for a weekend mm-hmm. just to go fish because it's so awesome. And um, it's getting so crazy now. Like, People are dragging their boats there because they want to go fish and do everything. And what's happening is there's people showing up they're just super like aggro about it and they're just chucking like three ounce pyramid weights on like a twelve foot thirteen fourteen foot beach rod at like the the boat guys that are like drifting right or fishing just off the uh, on the outside they're trying to yeah they're chucking stuff at them mm. and uh like it's just wrong i don't i don't I don't like, I don't like that man everybody's there fishing yeah I've heard about that yeah. i i
1: and i've I've witnessed it like once uh uh, off of uh, St. Augustine Pier, really? Uh, I was surfing and the, and I had I heard a, a triangle weight it makes Luke. this like sucking sound like it's like a suck. and it was loud like right next to me like ten, like five like a few feet away and it would have caused like major damage had it hit me or my board and I think it might have been in, looking back at the time. I was, well, you're supposed to be, fi- you're supposed to be, I think, 200 feet away from the, uh, from the, from the uh, pier. pier and nobody did that. So at the time, I, nobody did that. So I think they might've just been fishing. Maybe. Well, the current
0: may be pushing you, too. So, I mean, you're doing the best that oh, you I, can, right? right.
1: I, we, we People surf pretty close to the pier back in the day. And, yeah. and you just surf around each other and you fish and surf. And I didn't really think anything of it. But looking back on it, he might have been trying to hit me. Like, I don't know. I never looked up. I never caught a face because there was, like, you know, a ton of people up there. I just, like, eh, whatever. And just kept kept surfing young and dumb <laughs> just steady going at it whatever yeah, yeah. man but but he might have been trying to hit me for all i know i mean that thing would have hurt I, I remember seeing it and i'm like or hearing you know and i was like huh that would really hurt and i looked up saw several people up there and i'm like well maybe they're just fishing maybe they, and whatever but he could have been aiming for me and i'm sure there's you know a few people that do that try to try to try to hurt somebody but the thing is, you could really hurt. You could probably mate You, you could. Kill you could probably kill someone.
0: I bet you could. Yeah,
1: if, if that triangle hits you in the head,
0: uh,
1: hits you wrong. Yeah. that wouldn't be good.
0: Yeah. So just to be clear, we don't condone that. Don't throw, don't throw rocks at somebody. Yeah. Don't throw pyramid weights at somebody. Don't try to kill anybody. We don't yeah, condone they're, anybody they're not trying, to trying to ca- anybody.
1: Those surfers aren't trying to catch your fish, man. Well, they're just trying to have a good time. Just throw your weight a little bit to the left or right of that guy. Cause they're, they are not going to get in the way of you fishing. Yeah. They're not going to get in. There's never been one instance where someone gets caught in, a surfer gets caught in a fishing line. They right? no, like, don't want to get caught in They're not going to get caught in your line. Just catch your fish and,
0: you know, eat it and yeah, roll on. <laughs> I, I try to tell people, like, um, I was longboarding at Cocoa Beach Pier probably, I don't know, 11, 12 years ago. And uh, everybody there was fishing off the pier. And um, it was just it was perfect longboard day, midsummer, just chilling, having a good time. And I caught this beautiful wave. And um, it was just complete silence, like quiet, like the Wusaba factor. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just riding it. I was, Man, this is so cool. And I did. I heard it. And I didn't pay anything. I didn't pay any attention to it. And then uh, I got in and we, got, we were done for the day. And It was probably like right before we were getting ready to be done, you know. And I look at my board and there's a giant divot oh. on the front right corner of my board. And uh, I, I do a lot of fishing, right? So I'm like, man. so I pulled out this uh, egg weight he and I hit laid your in, Board? I laid an egg weight in there, and it was the perfect shape of a one ounce egg weight. And I was like, man, I wonder if somebody like, but I didn't think about it, right? Because it was just complete wasabi. It was just epic. Oh, it's Damn. quiet. And I didn't think about it. Then we got done. I'm like, how did I dig my? How I dig the top of my board all the way up here? Like, what? What happened? I didn't run into anybody. Like. And I, laid, I got home and I put that egg weight up there, and I was like, I bet you somebody threw a weight at me. Yeah, it wasn't cool.
1: It's not like you're catching their fish.
0: No, it's you not. You can't
1: catch their fish or even really scare their fish if you're surfing. No. I kind of, you know, yeah.
0: I think everybody's got a story like that. Yeah. I'm just glad I didn't get hit. Yeah. That probably would have hurt. I don't like getting hurt. Oh, jeez. Yeah, hurt, getting hurt is bad. I've hurt myself enough as it is. <laughs> So, i tell you what, man, we need to a plan a plan a trip, like a dive or something, you know? We need to plan this out so we can go out there. it make great YouTube. Put something together. Yeah, man. Uh, you, a video? Yeah. Let, let's not do lionfish. No, no lionfish. <laughs> you want <gotta> to do it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> let's do a sightseeing adventure.
0: Maybe, maybe we'll go do, like, a Barbados dive. Like, we're somewhere close we can go dive besides, like, you know, the Keys or West Palm.
1: Well, Florida's got tons of unexplored places for me. So, uh, like a Florida dive, I'm not opposed to a Florida dive. Yeah, okay. But if you wanna go, uh, yeah, uh, Puerto Rico. It's
0: probably, probably cheaper to stay in the States right now.
1: Yeah, there's that, that, that virus thing going
0: around. Oh yeah, the vid, I don't wanna catch the vid, man. That's, but uh, I don't know what's
1: open, but I'm, I'm down, you know, this spring, this coming year, you know,
0: hopefully the world comes back to write itself again. Yeah,
1: I'm, 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 I wanna get back into it. I wanna get back into diving. I'd like to do all the above. I got my boat up and running. I'm ready to do some fishing, get the, get the kiddos out there fishing. Yeah. I got, everything's primed for this coming year. I'm ready to do some fishing, diving. I got my gear set up. Yeah, I'm ready. Surfing. So, we have to maybe set a combo com- trip man
0: Ooh, yeah that'd be good that'd be awesome work our way up to a liveaboard you think yeah, the wives yeah. will let us go
1: oh yeah
0: absolutely yeah? all right yeah that'd be cool with that it was maybe, a business trip maybe maybe more subscribers we get the better off we'll be but like hey, it's gonna be it's uh it's gonna be for like coastal addiction tv yeah, yeah we have to do our research for the next podcast yeah that's exactly what it is yeah so all, right, so all y'all that are listening you got to share this podcast and hey Hey, dudes, you know know I'm talking to you, right? Like, yeah, yeah, go ahead and subscribe. Share us out. Help us get this next trip in. Maybe you can go uh, do a little trip with us.
1: Maybe you can go on a trip with us. Maybe you can be a guest uh, podcaster like myself. And maybe you can have your next trip paid for.
0: Thanks for listening to the Coastal Addiction Lifestyle Podcast. If you like today's topic, or any of our other topics, please like and subscribe. You can head on over to our website at www.coastaladdiction.com. You can also check us out on social media, Instagram, coastal, double underscore, addiction, Facebook, coastal addicted, or head over to YouTube at coastal addiction. Until next time, mahala.